this evening we are going to have very deep reflection from the gospel of today. This gospel, if one is to meditate on each and every part of the passage and allow it to live in the realm of one spirit, it is enough, it is enough to keep you sanctified, holy, victorious, buoyant in all things. You will live the fullness of Christ, basically. So you require the discipline of meditating on it, each and every one of them. But this evening we're going to articulate a few of those points that are there, about eight of them. Very powerful points. But this morning, I just want to reflect a little bit on John's letter. He says, children, it is the last hour. When did John write this? Many years ago. About, about 1,500 years ago. He wrote this. He said, children, it is the last hour. Don't be confused by the word hour here. He's saying it's the last age. Why the last age now? By age, I mean this generation is the last generation. Okay? The last generation. So, if this generation fails, forget it. This generation is going to witness the coming back of Christ. This generation. See, and as you know, have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Antichrist means the Antichrist. Those who are against Christ. They are against the entire reality of what Christ has come to do. Antichrist. You know, Christ means Christos. Christos means the anointed one. The anointing. It is the anointing that brings redemption. It is the anointing that brings salvation. It is the anointing that brings healing and the government of God on earth. So he is saying there are people who will crop up who will resist all that Christ accomplished through his Paschal ministry, through his passion, death, and resurrection. In other words, there are people who will resist the church because the church is the Christ. The body of Christ is the Christ. So he is saying the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. So for the Antichrist to have showed up, it means we are in the last hour. And they are walking all this while. They have been walking. Since John wrote this, they are, they are present up to today, but they are working subtly. They are working intelligently. They don't come out openly to tell you, deny Christ. But they create atmospheres. They create civilizations. They create cultures. They create, you know, lifestyles, patterns, mental systems that they infiltrate into the society, but invariably they are attacking the Christian faith in you. It's a great warfare. And it's so subtle that even Christians are not even aware that they are fighting them. Are you aware that when you pick up an ideology that is in vogue in the world, you are already being a victim of Antichrist? Everybody is waiting for Mark, the Mark CCCs. Forget it. That Mark is not a physical Mark. It's a spiritual Mark. The Mark is to make sure that Christ is dethroning from your heart. So anything that limits your walking in Christ is actually an infrastructure of the Antichrist. It's in politics. It's in the entertainment industry. It's in science and technology. They are using all these as instruments of attacking the body of Christ, attacking the entire ideology of Christ. Anywhere Christ is, we must make sure we crush it. 
So why human beings are busy pursuing food, pursuing shelter, pursuing to raise family everywhere. People are looking for jobs to make money. They are so carried away by this that they forget that this system is already at work on them. They are ready to give you food, give you money, give you everything, but make sure that Christ is not staying in your heart. So that's why we need to be very careful and we must be sensitive to the, to the cloud that's around us as Christians. As parents, our children are being influenced by so many things and we will even expose them to such things in the name of <clears throat> let them be exposed. So that's why he's saying we must test every spirit. Because everything that you see that runs in this earth system is governed by a spirit. Because the question is, who inspired that thing? How did this idea come? Anything you see is inspired from somewhere. The idea comes from somewhere. Who is the source of that idea? It may appear good, but the Bible says there are ways that seem right unto a man. But the end is what? The end is death. It may appear good now, but you don't know the end. We know very well there are many things we have we decided to do in the past. If we knew how it was going to end, who have even chosen it? And some have entered the quagmire that even up to now they have not been able to come out yet. So the anti-car is already, already at work and we must be conscious of it. But unfortunate, because of the way this battle is, many Christians are very ignorant about it. And the Bible says my people perish for lack of what? Knowledge. You see? See, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But you have seen that you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all know. You have been anointed by the Holy One. He's talking about our baptism. In baptism, we were anointed. We were incorporated into the body of Christ. So we have a different spirit. We have a different life. We have a different nature. But do you know, how many Christians acknowledge that in their life? They are comfortable saying we are all men human beings. It, becomes, it has become their common language. I'm a human being now, I should feel that way. I'm a human being now, I must respond that way. But that is not God's investment in your life. God wants his spirit, nature and life in you to be more conscious and more operational in your life than your flesh. Than your human nature. That is faith, actually. When you say you have faith, it means that you are living be above your human feelings and the human nature in you. You are not living the God kind of life. That is faith. If you don't exercise faith in that dimension, then you can be a victim of many things. But what the Bible says, as many who are led by the flesh shall see death, but as many who are led by the spirit shall have life. See, so I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and know that no, there's no lie in the truth. I mean, you have to hold it so tenaciously. And that's why in the, one of the, in the gospel, you see where John was starting to explain this to us in a very detailed way. He says, um, he says, the true light that enlightens every man was coming to this world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world knew him not. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But as many who received him, he, uh, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Now he makes a very big statement here, which many don't capture. What did he say? He said, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, 
This type of betting now is no longer the, the, the mother betting or the parental betting. No. It says of God. So it is God now who gave birth to us. In the new life, God gave birth to us. If God gives birth, what do we call what he gave birth to? Eh? God gives birth to what? Eh? A kid. Uh, thank you for English. But is it a different animal? It is still goat, eh? What of dog? Dog, eh? Pig. Elephant. Right? Human being. Human being. God. That's one of the knowledge. That's one of the revelations that we have not exhausted yet. If he says here, he says, <laughs> not of the will of the flesh, so we're not talking about normal betting. No, or the will of man, mean that it is not even between two human beings to decide about it. But of God. It means there are two types of betting. There's the human betting and there's the divine betting. And the one that matters to God is not the human betting. The one that matters to God is the divine betting. And God is expecting that you and I, when we are now being born again in this dimension, He says, live from that realm. Don't live with the old realm. So the Christian journey is a journey of growing more and more in the new betting and not in the old betting. But unfortunately, many Christians are still living the animal life and they are counting so much on it. And the animal life has nothing to offer God. That's why the Bible says the flesh profits nothing. The spirit gives life. So John is exposing us to this reality that we must understand that as we, as we move day by day, in our journey of life, we must understand what is the necessary thing and work on that and make sure we work in that dimension because that's where God is waiting for us. If we remain in the flesh, God will never meet us because he's not a God of the flesh. He's a God of the spirit. Okay? The God of the spirit. And so we pray that we subject ourselves to the demands of the spirit every day. And grow in this dimension. Yesterday we heard about Jesus growing and waxing strong in the spirit. May God bless us all in our hearts. For Christ our Lord.